When we are assertive and we aren't also influencing at the same time, we are missing the opportunity to have maximum impact on our audience and stakeholders. When influencing becomes part of our assertiveness skill set, we go from getting in people's faces and disagreeing with them to being in a dialogue that is far more effective at helping our audience get on board with what we are suggesting. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here, and now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. I hope you're doing well. So excited to be recording. It's been a while since I recorded an episode. I'm feeling both excited and rusty, but more excited than rusty because today we're talking about one of my absolute favorite topics, which is assertiveness. It's a topic that is, I would say, one of like the top three struggles that I encounter in my coaching work. And it's also something that I really struggled with myself in my corporate career. And one of the reasons I love talking about it is because it started as something that was very hard for me, that felt nearly impossible, that I would get very stuck in. And over time, it actually evolved into something that I really enjoyed and I feel like really became part of my skill set as a leader and communicator. And I'm really hoping that that gives you a sense of optimism and possibility for yourself, that something that feels hard can actually become a strength of yours down the road. And I'm hoping that I'm going to actually help that happen for you because One of the reasons I think that people get stuck in assertiveness, there's many reasons, a billion, too many to go into in this episode without it being 17 hours long. But one of the reasons is we think about assertiveness as this high conflict behavior, this very confrontational adversarial behavior. And I think of it completely differently. I have a completely different take on it. I have my own spin on it. And my spin on it made it feel good for me to be assertive and also made my work more effective. So I feel like the way that I approach assertiveness creates win-wins where I don't advocate for being like super aggressive and just like being weird or being an asshole in a meeting room. And also the way that I teach assertiveness and approach it is highly, highly effective, right? I know this because it was highly effective in my own career and it's highly effective for my clients. So get ready, buckle up because we're going to dive into it together and hopefully it's going to be highly effective for you too. Before I go real deep on this, and I think this is going to be kind of a long episode because I can feel the ideas like really brewing in my mind. Before we dive in, I have two super exciting announcements to share with you. I'll share the first one, which is that the Art of Speaking Up Academy is going to be enrolling next month. I am so excited. It's felt like to me like it's been a while since my last enrollment for this program. And so I cannot wait to open doors and welcome you in. Some of you might know about it, and if you're a little bit newer to the show and this is your first time hearing about it, the Art of Speaking Up Academy is my signature program 
where you spend six months with me and a very, very intimate cohort of women growing your confidence and developing your communication skills so that you can exude a very powerful impression in meetings and ultimately so that meetings can become the place where you show people the true extent of your thinking and of your leadership capabilities so that you can accelerate your career path and have bigger impact in your role. I love this program. I pour my heart and soul into it. It I think the curriculum is magical. It combines mindset. It combines some professional development training. There are a lot of interactive components. And I think the way that I bring all of my different skill sets together in this program is really unique and special. And so I am so excited to invite you in. And I wanted to share the dates with you of the launch so that you can get ready because it can go by really, really quickly. And I wouldn't want you to miss it if you know that this round is the round where you are going to be jumping in and saying yes. So the Art of Speaking Up Academy enrolls in two phases. Week one is early enrollment, which is where you can get the best deal on tuition. And then weeks two and three are regular enrollment. So early enrollment is from November 1st to 4th. And then regular enrollment will be from November 5th through November 18th. Now, if you would like to participate in early enrollment, which I suggest you do, you have to make sure that you're on the wait list because early enrollment invitations are only sent to people on the wait list. I suggest you join the wait list because one, you'll get the best price on tuition, and two, you will guarantee yourself a spot in the program before I open doors to my entire community. If you would like to join the waitlist, head over to jessgazitcoaching.com slash academy, and that's where you can add yourself. And my second announcement is that I'm hosting a live four-day challenge, and it is totally free, and it is in honor of the launch of the Art of Speaking Up Academy, and I want to invite you to come join me. So the challenge is happening from October 24th to 27th. So if you're listening to this podcast episode, you know, fresh on the week that it drops, then the challenge is next week. So go like, go sign up. Don't wait. And I'm excited for this challenge because I'm going to be helping you accelerate your journey of building confidence. So I really kind of want to jolt you into a place of motivation and inspiration when it comes to your journey of growing into the powerful leader that you want to be. And I want to teach you some tools that will help you elevate your communication skills and help you make a stronger impression in meetings. You will learn so much inside this challenge. And I think more importantly, you'll be in the energy of an experience that we're all doing together because we're all going to be going through it together from the 24th through the 27th. And each day, I will be sending you the challenge of the day. It will be short. It will be sweet, but it will be highly valuable and inspirational, and you are probably going to learn some things about communication, about confidence, and about yourself that you didn't know or weren't aware of before you took the challenge. So I highly recommend that you join because I am teaching you things with the intention of it creating a ripple effect in your growth process and hopefully a ripple effect in your career. I'm so excited. It's totally free to join. There is absolutely no downside. You will get to spend more time with me and more time deepening your own professional development journey. If you want in, head over to jessgazitcoaching.com slash free resources, and you will see the sign up at the top of the page. And I am so excited to welcome you into that. And now let's talk about 
assertiveness. And let's talk about how to be assertive in a way that's highly effective, but in a way that doesn't make you feel like a dick (laughs) and in a way that doesn't alienate your audience. I'm just going to straight up say this outright, out loud. I am very good at this. This is a skill that I'm very, very good at. And I'm sharing that with you so that hopefully I can inspire you to believe that you can get really good at it too. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a little bit of context with you that's really going to lay the foundation for this episode because without understanding the context, I don't think what I'm sharing will sink in with you as deeply as it could. And then I'm going to walk you through a couple of teachings or tools to help you implement what I'm teaching you about assertiveness in this episode. Now, the goal of this episode and what I'm teaching you to do is something that comes up so often in my client work. It's also something that came up really recently. I'm in a supervision slash mentorship program for coaches where I get to spend time mentoring and coaching um, with a coach who is also a clinical psychotherapist and really learn about human psychology and what helps people grow and change. And this topic came up in that group as well. So this topic is just very alive for me right now. But this episode is all about how do you balance the desire to be strong and authoritative in your opinion with the desire to not be like overly aggressive and obnoxious and to kind of communicate and speak as someone that you're not. I almost think of it as like there's two extremes when it comes to communication and definitely two extremes when it comes to assertiveness. On the one hand, like on the one extreme, you could be really people-pleasing and not assertive and agree with people when truly deep inside you disagree, right? So that's like being not assertive at all, all the way on the end of like people-pleasing and being overly accommodating. And then there's the flip side of being like super pushy, super dominant, super obnoxious. I think we've all been in situations with people like that. It is torturous, right? And what I see so often with my clients and what I was alluding to seeing as well in my mentorship and supervision is that I see that as women, we struggle so much to imagine the middle territory between those two extremes. We know the people pleasing and accommodating because we've been doing it all our damn lives. And we know like that alpha domineering aggressiveness because we've been dealing with that our whole damn lives. But we haven't seemed to figure out what's in the middle. And we haven't found that for ourselves. And what I find that is so fascinating, and I've experienced this myself as well, and I see it so much in my coaching is that when we try to imagine what's in the middle of those things, it's like our mind goes blank. It almost reminds me of like when the globe was being explored by like the explorers, part of the world, they didn't have a map for it because they didn't know like what was where because they hadn't like discovered all the different continents. And I feel like our relationship with that sweet middle spot of assertiveness is a lot like that where We've never been there. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know the shape of the country. We don't know like what it what what's on the map because we've never gone before. 
And something that's so important for me is to help paint a picture of what could be on that map so you can allow yourself to go there so that you don't feel like you're choosing between you're either people-pleasing and accommodating and not really showing up in true leadership or you're being super dominant and aggressive and aggro. And what I hope to do, especially with the topic of assertiveness, is help show you the map of what could be in the middle. And for me, this is something that helped me be so effective in working on complex projects, in interfacing with executives, because the truth is in a corporate environment, when you are elevating into bigger roles, you have to have this muscle because bigger roles mean bigger projects. Bigger projects mean more complexities. More complexities mean more disagreements, more contrasting goals, more frictions that you have to be able to navigate through. So like you can't people please your way up to the CEO level. Imagine being a CEO of a large company, like running a large company and having a lot of people pleasing, accommodating habits. Like your schedule and your life would implode. It literally wouldn't be possible. And so this is a muscle that I encourage you to focus on developing so that you can step into bigger roles, bigger responsibilities, um, more complexity without collapsing, without becoming overloaded. And I really want to share with you that I believe we can all develop this. And I have struggled deeply with people-pleasing, being overly accommodating. I could do an entire episode just walking through how hard this has been for me, I've been able to grow the muscle. And I think it's so important to hold that vision for yourself that something that feels hard now can get easier. Okay, so let's get into like what exists between these two extremes of like people pleasing versus being overly aggressive. And in order to explain that to you, I want to share two different concepts with you and distinguish them from each other because this is going to help enormously. So the two kind of communication skills or tools that I want to distinguish is assertiveness versus influencing. And they are two different things, right? Assertiveness is when we share information that has some sort of disagreement with what someone else thinks or with what someone else is saying. So my definition of assertiveness is Someone thinks X and I think Y, and that person has told me, hey, I think X, and I have to be like, actually, no, I think Y, I don't think X, right? I think of it, you know, to really boil it down as disagreeing and being courageous enough to voice that disagreement. So that's how I'm defining it for this episode. That's how I typically define assertiveness in my work. Obviously, a very important skill in a corporate environment, right? So that's assertiveness. Influencing is a separate skill. And it relates very closely to assertiveness. And when you understand what influencing is and how it relates to assertiveness, it has the potential to make assertiveness feel way more approachable and doable for you. That's why I'm so excited about this. The way that I think about influencing is like, I'm having a party and I want to invite you to my party and get you to say yes. I'm not going to force you to come to the party. I'm not going to like aggressively be like, you have to come to this party but I want you to come to my party, right? And you can sort of think about how that could apply when it comes to assertiveness. If you disagree with someone, you might be trying to get them to come to your party and get them to agree with your side of the situation. Now, I want to share an analogy that I think is going to really drive this home for you. And it helps me so much. It helps me enormously 
anytime I'm doing any sort of communication where I have to influence someone. So here's how I think about the difference between assertiveness and influencing. I want you to imagine that you're walking through a mall, not like a luxury mall. There are all these bougie malls. I live in LA. All of the malls have turned bougie. There are very few malls that are just like malls, you know, like just give me a food court, give me a forever 21. I don't want the fancy stuff. Like I like the mall experience. Take me back to the nineties, please. So anyway, we're going to imagine we're in a regular mall, not a bougie mall. And I want you to imagine that your intention is to walk through the mall and not purchase anything. So you're like, I'm going to enter the mall and I'm going to leave the mall and I'm not going to buy anything. For some of you, this might be a difficult exercise. It, It is for me, right? So now you walk into the mall and you are trying not to buy anything, right? That's your goal. And you have a couple experiences where you're walking through and the vendors of the mall, they want you to buy something, right? Like they want you to frequent their stores and buy something so that they make money. So there's an inherent misalignment of goals, right? Your goal is don't spend anything. The goal of the shops and the vendors is to get people in the mall to spend, right? So you have all these vendors and you have to walk through the mall and not spend. And the vendors are going to do different things to try to get customers like you to spend money, right? So I'm going to walk you through two different vendors that you may have encountered in the mall. I know I certainly have. And the two different ways that they get you to spend money. And we're going to talk about this. This is such a fun analogy. The first kind of vendor that you have in the mall is the one where there's a kiosk, like a little stand in the middle, and the person like comes up to you and tries to get you to like go over and like test the product. I feel like they have those, a lot of times, I'm trying to think what those people are usually selling. A lot of times they're selling kind of like hair tools or appliances, like a hair flat iron type of thing or some kind of electronic device, right? And you know, it's like that person. And sometimes they pretend to be like, hey, and like strike strike up a conversation with you. But sometimes they're just straight up like selling to you very aggressively and trying to get you to come over to the kiosk, right? So their approach to get you to buy (laughs) is to like get in your face and try to suck you in. And I don't know about you, but I hate this. I hate this with all my being. I hate it so much that sometimes I literally like just ignore them and like walk straight past and don't even say no or acknowledge it because it annoys me so freaking much. But for purposes of this conversation, it's the perfect example and you'll see why in a minute. Okay. So that's the first way that the, the vendors in the mall might get you to buy. Now I want you to imagine that you're in the mall And you walk past either an Auntie Annie's pretzel shop or a Cinnabon. Or just think of any sort of a mall snack that you really enjoy, right? We're going to go with Cinnabon for now, but pick whatever is like totally delicious to you and use that as your example for this analogy. But I want you to imagine that you walk by a Cinnabon. How does Cinnabon get you to buy, right? I think like we all kind of know. I'm curious what comes up for you. But from my perspective, the way that Cinnabon gets me to buy is the smell, right? So I can walk through a mall and be like, I don't want to buy anything. I'm not hungry. But then as soon as I smell the smell, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need a Cinnabon. So I might, you know, despite my intention not to buy anything at the mall, I might go up and get a Cinnabon because it smells so damn delicious, right? And so both vendors, Cinnabon and the kiosk with the aggressive salespeople, they're both 
trying to get you to buy, but they do it very differently. The kiosk gets all up in your face and they pressure you and they try to pull you in. And the Cinnabon, they don't get up in your face. They're not aggressive. They're just, they're just over there in the food court being a Cinnabon. But the smell is wafting. And that's how they get you to buy. And this is a really beautiful analogy to capture the difference between assertiveness and influencing, right? So assertiveness is when we very directly say, hey, this is what I think. It's just like that kiosk salesperson getting in your face and being like, hey, you need to buy this thing, right? Influencing is the process by which we bring people along and get them to genuinely want to agree with us and buy into our ideas, not through force, but through instilling a true desire inside them. So we're, it's not like the kiosk where you're like going up to someone whether they want to buy or not, right? Because when the kiosk person comes up to me, I don't want to talk to them. I didn't agree to talk to them. I'm not interested in talking to them, right? But with Cinnabon, I smell it and I genuinely want it. And so I go over to buy myself a Cinnabon, right? That's what influencing is. Rather than getting in someone's face and saying, hey, come buy this or come test out this product so that I can try to sell it to you after, Rather than doing that, you're putting out the smell and people are coming, right? And of course, if you think about how customers are going to feel, the Cinnabon customer has a very different experience, right? They were lured in. They genuinely wanted the Cinnabon versus I bet you that kiosk sells a lot of things to people that like have buyer's remorse or end up not wanting it or end up trying to return it, right? And so it's very, very different. And so assertiveness is when we get in someone's face and we're like, hey, here's my thing. I'm right, you're wrong. Like, right, hey, here's my hair iron, buy it. And influencing is where we instill a genuine desire in our audience to pursue our direction. And the reason that I'm sharing this with you and the reason this is so incredibly important is that one of the reasons that I believe that so many women get stuck when it comes to assertiveness is because they've completely separated it and stripped it away from influence. And they're just thinking that they need to be like the kiosk in the mall getting in people's faces. And what they fail to realize is that assertiveness on its own is actually not very powerful. Getting in someone's face and just trying to push your opinion in their face is not the most effective way to get them to agree with you. Just like the kiosk salesperson getting in your face is not the most effective way to get someone to buy. I bet you the Cinnabon does way more in revenue than the shady kiosk in the mall, right? Similarly, when we are assertive and we aren't also influencing at the same time, we are missing the opportunity to have maximum impact on our audience and stakeholders. And often when women get stuck in assertiveness, it's because they're focusing on that very aggressive kiosk salesperson version of assertiveness, and they haven't been taught a deeper, more nuanced, more layered version of assertiveness that also includes influencing. When influencing becomes part of our assertiveness skill set, we go from getting in people's faces and disagreeing with them to being in a dialogue that is far more effective at helping 
our audience get on board with what we are suggesting. So what we are trying to do when we are being assertive, what we're trying to do at our core is to persuade our audience, right? When I'm being assertive, my goal is not just to say like, hey, I disagree. I think we should do the project this way. My goal isn't just to express that. My goal is to get my audience and stakeholders to agree. And so I think what we miss is we think, oh, I just need to be assertive and the goal is to just be assertive and more direct. And that's the first step. Like, yeah, you have to say what you think, right? Of course, you have to express what's true for you. You have to express your opinion. But it doesn't end there. That's just part of it. The whole other part is the influencing part. You got to express the opinion and you got to get your stakeholders and audience on board with that opinion, right? So you have to share the thing, but you also have to have the Cinnabon effect where your stakeholder was walking through the mall and they were like, I'm not hungry. But by the time they walked past the Cinnabon, by the time they've heard you speak and communicate, they're like, I want one. That is when assertiveness becomes enormously effective because you have the capability to bring people along. Now, this might sound a bit challenging, right? Because what I'm saying is that you have to do even more than just being assertive. You can't just say the thing you have to influence. However, what I have found is that as you get better at influencing in a way that's really authentic to you, assertiveness stops feeling so shitty because you don't have to be the salesperson at the mall. You can be the Cinnabon. And I loved being a Cinnabon. I loved thinking about how can I invite people into this party and make it appealing for them, right? How can I make them genuinely want to buy versus forcing them to buy like the aggressive mall kiosk? This is a question and an approach that will change the way assertiveness feels because you're not forcing something down someone's throat, but you're being really thoughtful and strategic about your communication. And so... If you want to get better at assertiveness and you want to be more effective and you also want to feel better (laughs) doing it, what you'll want to do is get really good at influencing. I'm going to give you a couple of tips to get started that will help you. Influencing is a very broad topic, so I can't nearly cover every angle of it, but I can give you some very powerful foundations to get you started on the journey of influencing. But the first thing that I want you to take from this episode is that you always want to pair assertiveness with influencing, right? Just like when you're at a restaurant and they're like, here's the wine pairing and like, it would be weird to pair, I don't know, I don't know that much about wine pairings, but like, okay, you're not supposed to drink, what is it, red wine with fish, right? If you order fish, you're supposed to drink white wine. I think these things are a little bit silly, but let's pretend like I'm a wine snob and that I like know about this stuff and follow these suggestions. You're not supposed to pair, and some of you probably do, and you're probably like, oh, red wine with fish, ew. But anyway, for me, wine is wine is wine. I love it all, most of it at least. Anyway, it's sort of like when you are pairing fish with white wine or meat with red wine. Similarly, you always want to pair assertiveness with influencing. You never want assertiveness on its own. And so what I want you to do next time you're in a meeting and someone disagrees with you and they say like, no, you should do it this way, right? And and you disagree and you're like, no, I don't agree with how they're telling me I should do it. I want you to think, okay, now it's time to practice influencing. 
And there are two things that you want to be doing and keeping in mind to be really effective about this. So here they are. The first thing you need to do is you need to learn to slow down a conversation and create space for a mutual exchange of perspectives and ideas. This is so important. So many people mistake assertiveness for bulldozing the other person with your point of view, kind of like the kiosk salesperson bulldozes you trying to sell you the hair iron, right? But if you want to influence, then your stakeholders, they don't want to be bulldozed, right? That doesn't feel good for them. So if you're trying to influence them, you need to create space for a mutual exchange and dialogue, which means that when people disagree with you, it's not just about firing back your opinion and being like, here's my opinion, right? But it's actually about creating room in the conversation to learn more about their perspective before sharing your perspective with them. This helps them feel heard. Sometimes it helps you discover things that make you realize, oh, they are right. I do agree with them, right? The first step is to create that space to learn about their perspective. And as you learn, you can then share some of your perspective back with them. But you don't want to jump to sharing your opinion. That is one of the biggest mistakes you can make in influencing because they don't care about your opinion yet. <laughs> they disagree with you, right? So you need to get them to a place where they genuinely care about your opinion and are more open about it. But the moment right after they disagree is not the moment where your audience is most receptive to you being like, nope, you're wrong and I'm right and here's why, right? It's the moment where they want to be heard. They're expressing something. So let them be heard, right? And this isn't about being a pushover. This is about being a powerful leader and creating a space for an effective dialogue. Because if you don't do that, that, like what's the what's the point, right? The point isn't just to be right and to prove to people that you're right. The point is to get to the best answer. That's what leaders do. And you can't get to the best answer without getting more information. So the first thing you want to do is learn to make room for the other person. Making room for their perspective is one of the most effective ways to get your perspective across the finish line. It can seem counterintuitive, but the more you do it, the more you'll see that it's not about bulldozing the other person. And in fact, when you learn to slow down and give them space, your effectiveness in influencing will tend to go up. So that's the first piece that I want you to play with. The second piece that I want you to play with, and this is so important, it's very challenging, it will probably take you some time to like, like really develop this muscle at a deep level, but when you do, you're going to feel so powerful because it just really helps you show up as a leader in meetings. But the second thing you want to do is you want to internally nominate yourself to be in charge of getting to a solution that balances the objectives that both people have, that balances your objectives and their objectives. Now, this is really, really different than showing them that you're right. There's a difference in your mind internally between being like, I need to show them I'm right. That's different than being in a place where you're thinking, it is my responsibility to drive both of us towards a solution, right? It, that's they're not the same as being like, it's my responsibility to show them that I'm right. It is just my responsibility to drive both of us towards the overall best solution. When you do this, you navigate the exchange with so much leadership and maturity. And what you end up solving for is not your need to be right. It's your need to find the best solution. 
And the best solution might be your solution and it might be their solution. But when you approach the conversation from that angle, they're going to sense that collaborativeness. Your problem solving is going to be better because it won't be biased towards your own opinion too heavily. And they are going to tend to want to lean in and work with you on that because it feels a lot better for them when they're like, oh, she's like trying to figure out what makes sense. She's figuring it out with me, right? That feels way better to your audience than if they're like, oh, she's just like yelling at me and like telling me why I'm wrong and why she's right. I don't like, I don't want to take her approach. I don't want to work with her on this, right? They have a completely different experience because when you think about your responsibility as getting to the best answer, versus having to be right, they feel that, right? And they engage with you very differently and they're going to be much more open and receptive to your perspectives and ideas. So to summarize today's episode, assertiveness should always be paired with influencing. That not only helps you be more effective in your assertiveness, but it also helps it feel less icky Because influencing from a true authentic place is about caring about your audience and what they think, right? It's not about manipulating them. It's not about tricking them. It's about having an exchange where you're genuinely taking their perspectives into account and solving for all of the different variables. To get better at influencing, you need to slow down the conversation and create space for the other person to be heard and You need to nominate yourself internally as the person in charge of finding the best solution, not just the person in charge of showing everyone that you're right. And what I want to add on to this as an addendum is that this does not make you a pushover. This makes you an effective leader, right? If you're asking that question of like, how do I avoid being on the extreme of either people-pleasing or super, super aggressive, the answer is by being a wildly effective, empathetic strong leader. And effective, empathetic, strong leaders don't bulldoze people with things, right? They get things done through a respectful collaboration and exchange with their fellow coworkers. And so I see this as making you more effective. I don't see this as you being a pushover. And in the end of the day, when you're having these conversations and directing people towards your opinion or your solution, You're solving for what gets the best outcome, right? You're solving for what gets the best result. If you do that consistently in your role and you are fierce about just solving for the best outcome, you will create so much value in your role. You will become so valuable to your organization and you will you will advance more quickly because the people that create value and that are at that level of effectiveness are best placed in higher leadership roles, right? Because that capability gets so much ROI and creates so much value when it's in a higher level, more complicated role. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. And my goal is that it gives you a sigh of relief, that like you feel like you can breathe a sigh of relief because you're like, oh, I don't need to be a weirdo mall kiosk salesperson. I need to get better at influencing, right? And of course, this doesn't mean that like, There are never moments where you have to be direct and like you just have to say no. That is absolutely the case. But the majority of the time, especially when you are having conversations around how things should get done and different perspectives on what is the best approach to the various pieces of work that you do, 
any conversation on like a subjective direction of something is very much going to benefit from having strong influencing skills. If you are very serious about developing your influencing skills, and if it is very important for you to build this assertiveness muscle out in a very sophisticated way, I strongly recommend that you join me inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy because you will not only learn this process in more depth, but you'll learn how to apply it, right? So I walk you through how to take these concepts, these frameworks, these ideas, and how to use them, apply them, implement them in actual work settings, right? Like what do you actually say when the disagreement comes up? What does it look like to navigate through that conversation? You'll get into that level of detail so you can really see what this looks like and really find your voice in this and get your communication skills, your assertiveness skills, your influencing skills to a level of sophistication where you don't feel scared about the next hard thing that can get thrown at you because you know that you have internalized the tools to navigate it. I love this stuff so much. Assertiveness is one of the modules inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. It is one of my favorite modules inside the Academy because there is so much that you learn that will help. I hope, my intention is that, is that it will help assertiveness feel doable for you and it will help you be and feel more effective and powerful in high-level, high-stakes conversations. If you are planning to join me inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy, Get yourself on the waitlist so you can participate in early enrollment. You can find the waitlist at justguysatcoaching.com slash academy. And join me for the free four-day challenge. It's just called the Official Art of Speaking Up Challenge. That is what I named it, where I'm going to help you ignite that inner fire so that you can grow your confidence and get much deeper into your process of building communication skills. The challenge is inherently interactive, right? So it's more than just listening to a podcast. You get to be in a process. You get to go through the four days and the four steps, and you get to learn so many valuable nuggets along the way that will help you feel more powerful and more confident in your voice. You can sign up for the challenge. We start next week. Uh, head over to jessicasatcoaching.com slash free resources. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. As always, it is a pleasure to have you here and I'll catch you next week.